When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm John McFarlane and today I'm joined by Scott McDermott and pulling on the Brown Brogues for his pod debut, the Press Association's finest, Mr Andy Newport. This week, Rangers thrashed Dundee but Steven Gerrard wasn't happy with the second half display that saw them put the brakes on a blockbusting first 45. Is the manager right to demand such exacting standards? Your questions answered, and the union bears are unhappy with the club over a lack of engagement with their wishes to expand and introduce safe standing. We look at the issues at play. Well, Andy, you were there last night. I was watching the game and live blogging from the Daily Record, and Scott was away doing something far more important. What were you at the Celtic game, mate? I was indeed, yeah. I just go where I get told, basically. We'll provide the insight. I did uh, did see the highlights, so I've got a... I've got a fair idea. Mr. Part-timer here. Yeah. yeah. Andy, what, what did you make of the game? A game of two halves, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rangers were really, really good first half. Um, Scott Arfield, Ryan Jack, Glenn Kamara, really impressive, impressive in the centre of the park, really driving them on, a lot of energy. But the second half they came out, Arfield was, was kept inside at half-time. Um, I think you know, the wee calf complaint, Gerard, but we just wanted to, to watch him ahead of the, the weekend. and They just lacked the same sort of fluency that they'd had in the first half and it was really was you know the typical sort of game of two halves it was you know as good as you've seen, it was a sign of two sides of Rangers that you see the free flow and the energy the drive in the first half and the second half it's the Rangers when they're going through the motions a bit and it just becomes a bit of a, a drab affair and you could see Gerard at the side of the park getting really quite frustrated at times that they weren't moving the ball as quickly as, as he would like them to Scott, um, another start for Glenn Kamara, yep. a guy we've talked about not getting too carried away over, but it's kind of difficult given how he started. And last night he was at the apex of, of a lot of what Rangers were doing well. Um, Gerard has changed the formation from a 4-3-3 for, to a 4-2-3-1, and Jack and Kamara seem to be at the heart of the improvement we've seen over the last few weeks. I think that's been key, Johnny, probably. No, maybe a lot of people have not. No, picked up. That's a very subtle change to the to the midfield. Um, I think a lot of people thought Rangers were pretty much played four two three one because it's very popular now. A lot of teams do it, but the whole season pretty much has been has been four three three. No, there's been one sitting midfielder and then a guy at either side of them, slightly slightly playing the uh, playing ahead of them. But that's changed the last the last couple of weeks since Kamara's uh, since Kamara's emergence basically in the. And the team, it's now very much four two three one, which sees Jack sitting beside Kamara and Arfield giving a bit more licence to, to get forward and, and get into the box. And no, I don't think it's any coincidence that, that results have been have been pretty good. They're very impressive actually since since that change. I still wouldn't get too carried away with Kamara. I think he's he's been excellent. He's done what's been asked of him. Um but 
no, next game away to, away to Aberdeen up at Pitodre, it's going to be a battle, blood and thunder. No, technically he's a very good footballer. Whether that's the game for him, I don't know. It'd be hard to leave him out. Um, but obviously we've got guys like McCrory and that who didn't do a lot wrong before before he went out the team. He'll now be um, kind of chomping it a bit to get to get back in. Andy, what yeah, what have you made? I was going to say, I think Scott was right there because I think if you look at the way the, the, the wee tweak is, is suited Scott Arfield's game especially because yeah. there was times in the first half last night he was basically playing as a second striker he was yeah. up so high along, alongside uh, Morelos but then dropping back and linking with, with Ken and, and, and uh, Kamara but that just fluency in midfield that, that wee bit of extra energy just getting a second striker into the box really just gave Dundee so many problems it allowed them, allowed them to get much higher on the front foot and really Peg, there was a there was a spell just after the second goal because Dundee literally couldn't get out of their box, mm. just pegged back so so deep. I, th- I think it also gives them a wee bit more protection. I, I, I don't think in that system they look as susceptible to a, a counter attack. I, I think even at the start of the season in certain games, playing against the the kind of bottom six clubs, with all due respect, even then. Rangers, I think, still looked a bit vulnerable to, to counter-attacks, um, as I say, against some of those bottom clubs, and that shouldn't be happening, especially at Ibrook. So having the two the two sitters in there just gives that uh, back four a wee bit more protection, and it probably allows the wide players, both the wingers and the full-backs, to, you know, to go a wee bit higher up, because they know they've got guys, guys sitting in behind. I would, be, I would be surprised as well, if, as Scott was saying, that Kampetoji, you see... Ross McCrory coming back in that midfield because yeah. those are the type of games that he's just so perfectly suited for that game where it's just all about winning your 50-50s winning your headers getting a getting a block tackle in and that gets you back yeah. in the front foot as much as a, a good bit of play can and listen there's no, I know a lot of people on social media I know you'll go on to it later but I've been asking no, no, do you drop Kamara what's the best midfield three no, the best midfield three is what's suited to that game. It, it wouldn't it be um, a slight on Kamara if you left him out for the game at Pitodri. No, he'd be on the bench. He would still have a part to play, but looking at it and knowing the type of game it will be, it might just suit McCrory to come back in beside Jack. Um, the same kind of system, but McCrory just gives you that height, physicality, tackling ability, you know, that kind of defensive... Uh, no, that natural defensive mindset that I think might be might be more required come Sunday. Andy, you mentioned Scott Arfield. I thought he was absolutely superb in that first half, as you say, but it changed significantly in the second, and I wonder if that's because Arfield went off and Davis went on, and without singling out Stephen Davis for criticism, I just wonder if this is actually his position. Is it unfair that he's been asked to play in this number 10 role at 34, Neil, you know, <coughs> coming towards the end of his career? I mean, if you look back to his first spell at Rangers, that may have been a role that would have suited him. And I remember, you know, back then, the big complaint was that he was all sort of shunted out right and you never actually got to see him through the, the middle. That's because at that period, Rangers had Kevin Thompson, Barry Ferguson. And those were the guys that were seen by Walter Smith as, you know, his central pairing. Now, he's 34, he's getting a run there. But you know, let's be honest, he's 34, the, the legs have slowed a wee bit. You know, I think... There's times when you could tell he maybe wants an extra touch, he wants that extra five yards of space in order to, to get the head up. And Perhaps in the Premier League you get that, and that's why he was he was able to, to shine so much for Southampton in recent years. But up here in Scotland, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hectic at times in that midfield battle, and he's just not really been, ever, been able to get that 
wee bit of poise that he needs to show his, his full range. You've seen wee glimpses of it here and there, but just times where it just seems like you know he's, he's just getting a wee bit slower down these days and he needs a wee bit extra space to, to show what he can do. And you've got guys like you saw Arfield in the first half last night when you know he was turned reflex around the corner, turns. Um, playing one twos, quick one twos, and he's obviously just a guy who's sharp and confident right now. And it's difficult for for Stephen Days perhaps to compete with that. He's he's come in, he's not played much this season. He's still trying to get fit. I think I don't think he looks up to hundred percent just in terms of his, his physical fitness. And it must be a difficult situation where you're coming trying to make an impact, but the guys around you are at the top of their game. Is there any ch- chat that you might be able to get a uh, is there any discussion? I'll start that again. Is there any discussion going around that you might be able to get the opportunity to speak to Stephen Davis? You guys are both around the club. You're both doing pressers. Is, is he a guy that the, the Sundays spoke to him last week uh, at the training ground? And I think there was some. I think there was some back page stories in the Sundays for Davis just saying, "No, the league's not over. He's here to win trophies. He's certainly not not giving it up despite the eight point gap." And I think included in all that, no Stephen Davis being a Premier League player and a confident guy that he is, an international player, no, he's in no doubt that he'll get back to uh, he'll get back to his best form. I think even he's admitting that it's maybe taken him a bit of time to get back up to speed. Um but certainly he believes he'll no he'll 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 kinda of get that forum back. And we we spoke to uh Davy Weir earlier this week at a press conference and he was of the same mind. I mean he's obviously a huge fan of Davis um, from back in the day at Rangers and he's convinced that no age won't be a barrier for him and he's still no he's still got it. But I agree with you that listen, we've touched on it so many times. You called it. You called it that he would struggle. Well it's getting to the point now where you almost do kinda of feel sorry for him coming on in the, the number ten role because it's clear as day that that's no his, that's no his game uh, Do you think he's playing within himself? It looks to me that he's, a lot of times he's, if it was a confident Stephen Davis he would be playing past his first time he'd be looking to take on the more adventurous pass times I think he knows within himself he's not playing at his top to level me, To me he looks like a guy who's struggling a wee bit with the kind of expectation on him that people are expecting big things from him he's almost trying too hard at times you know, with passes and stuff when really he just has to play his natural game. I mean, he's a, you know, technically he's excellent, always has been. Um, but I think he would like a chance just to go in and be one of those sitting midfielders, basically in the role that Kamara's playing just now. And Davis will believe that he could do that role. Um, problem is Kamara's came in and is doing it very well and he's doing it quick and he's doing it with a tempo and, you no. Know, Passing's really crisp and stuff, so it's difficult for Davis to get in and replicate that at the moment. Um, and the thing is, it's not as if it's a like an eighteen month contract or an eighteen month loan where he's got a bit of time in his side. If if Stephen Davis is genuinely looking at you no know, being at Rangers next season, then you no know, his performances are going to need to improve. That that might sound harsh, but. Um, I think Gerard. I mean, he's not played a lot. Of, he's not a lot of minutes so far. You can tell Gerard's trying to get him games, trying to get him as much minutes to get him up to speed. But it's just not happened for him yet. I think the the thing with Stephen Davis is that yeah, you're right. He, he could go in and play that sitting role, and you could play the passes. He could do everything that Glenn Kamara can do with the ball. His problem is that 
he can't quite live up to what Kamara's yeah. doing off the ball, and yeah, that is, right. that's providing that yeah, tempo, right. that intensity, that energy, getting in about. I mean, the amount of tackles he's won yeah. over the last three games, just wee 50 50s getting a foot in. There is crucial the type of way that Jared wants to play this, you know, in your face football. And if if he can't quite match up to the, the actual the metrics, the physicality of it, then I, I think Gerard's reluctant to put him in because as you saw the old firm game, that's the the absolute blueprint of how Gerard wants his team to play in yeah. your face, winning fifty fifties, winning tackles, stopping teams, you know, high up the pitch. So you can then what's the point in trying to attack somebody from a hundred yards out when you can attack them from twenty thirty yards out? And right now, Stephen Davis just don't have the legs. It doesn't seem to be able to play that manner of football. Yeah, absolutely. So many times last night, Rangers won the ball high up the pitch and created chances from it. And then you compare that kind of performance to the one against St. Johnson when they were slow, they were knocking the ball about without any real purpose. Yeah. It's the two sides to Rangers. And did you feel that in the second half there was an element of that creeping into their play? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a surprise to see Rangers going through the motions as they did like that. I mean, you've seen a few examples of it. I mean, before uh, the old firm game was a couple of games where the, the sort of heads were going down. I to try to think who, who it was. They, would, uh, they played the games before Christmas where it was, um, the feeling was that Celtic were getting an advantage up at that point and they managed to rescue it with the old firm game get back level terms. The Celtic had Ryan Christie firing all cylinders at yeah, that point yeah. and the Rangers were struggling essentially mm-hmm, yeah. in the midfield. Uh, then you see it was a bit like the, the Kamarnik game, first game back after the winter break. Yeah. You, you've seen it before. You've seen, there is a definite, there's a, you know, a, a Jekyll and Hyde side to Rangers. There's times when, you know, they look very, very good when their attitude's right. And you know, people have spoken about the way Gerard uh, throws his players under the bus sometimes with his criticism. But I think every time he does it, there's a reaction. That's why. That's why he does it. I think. I think Gerard knows that. They've got that in a locker to take him off the pace in a game or take the foot off the, the pedal and, and he doesn't he doesn't like it. Uh, and I think that relentlessness that he talks about, which let's be honest, you, you associate with Celtic, you know, the, the uh, Brendan Rodgers Celtic team over the last couple of years, you no know, ruthless, relentless, you no, know, if they're three, four up at half time they'll go and win uh, you no know, five or six. Gerard wants that in the Rangers team and I think he believes he's j- they're just no quite there yet and for two games in the spin you know you said you thought Johnny the Rangers were actually pretty decent in the second half well what I thought was that they created they still created a lot of chances and had Morelos been at his sharpest because I thought he missed two very mm. very good chances then the score would have been a cricket score I think Gerard will just be getting frustrated that that's two games in Arona where they've been well ahead at half time they could have went on and got like a seven or eight without being disrespectful to Hamilton or, or Dundee. They could have really went and uh, murdered somebody, do you know what I mean, with, with a, a scoreline. And I think he wants that just just to try and get them into that, uh, you know, that rhythm of being relentless and really putting teams to the sword. Um, and for two games, because they've been up at half time, of course it's understandable second half when you're three or four up subconsciously you maybe do take the foot off the gas a wee bit but I think he's just trying to keep on their, keep on their case I think the learning from that is if you look at there's an 8 point advantage to Celtic at the moment it comes down to if, if Rangers had been able to maintain the sort of relentless standards that he's looking for in say the Aberdeen game the start of the season the Motherwell game where they allowed teams to come in and snatch yep. um, last minute equalisers well, there's 4 points right there Celtic 
because they've got that attitude, they want to play at the whistle, they want to go chase everything and, and chase, do everything they can to get a victory. Get a last minute goal against Kamarnock and then a last minute goal against Hearts last yep. night. That's your eight points, right? Precisely. So, you know, if, if that's the reason why I think Gerard is so keen to hammer this in, this message that you need to play with this relentless spirit for 90 minutes because that's the, the rewards of it. You know, if you're struggling at home to. And the St Johnston game, you could tell from. You know, 15 minutes into the game, this was going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, and and I, at no I, point did you really sense that there was a change of gear that would that would get them I the think rewards that, I think that comes from winning trophies mm. and being successful. And obviously Rangers haven't had that for, for a number of years now. And it's it's difficult to get. You almost need to win a, a league or a double or whatever. We're seeing you, that with Spurs down south. You start Exactly. Uh, and you start getting that, that kind of relentless nature where you know... You can wear teams down. You know the other teams are fearing. You no, know, you're getting a late goal like Celtic have done the last couple of games. Rangers haven't quite got that yet, but no, they're well on the way. They're, they're no, they're no far away, and I think that's why Gerard's so keen, as I say, to keep on their case to try and get them into that into that mode. It's the fine margins, isn't it? I mean, if if, if Gerard can push up Rangers' bottom line to a point where. Their top line and the bottom line aren't too far apart. Then that makes them, them title contenders. But yeah. the minute Rangers' worst performances are so far off, what Celtic says that that's where the difference comes in. And, and it's worth pointing out, Johnny. We spoke about it a lot at the start of the season. Know what the expectations were, what Gerard would hope to achieve. Know what what he had to achieve basically in his first year was creating that distance between. No, them and the rest, irrespective really of what the points gap was to, to Celtic. And I thought last night, no, for the first time in a while, you're looking at the table, with Aberdeen getting beat, obviously the Kelly game getting getting abandoned. There's now a pretty big gap between Rangers and the and the rest, albeit there's still that eight points to, to Celtic, but no, that's what we said Gerard's job was to beat to beat everyone else. Of course they've dropped points when they shouldn't have, and he'll, no, he'll probably re- regret that come the end of the season, he'll wonder what could have been. But when you're looking at that table just now, they're well, not no well clear, but they're clear in saying they've created a bit of, a, a bit of distance and they're still kind of in touch with Celtic, which is which is what they set out to do. Just one last point, we kind of touched on it there, but I want to drill into a bit more detail. Andy, you're there a lot, so you speak to Stephen Gerrard. Do you think he's in slight danger of doing this uh, too many times where he has a bit of a pop at the players? There's only so many times you can go at the well with that, and he seems to be doing it quite often. Do you think there's a danger that I could start to... Have a negative effect. The only reason I would be concerned with that if he was doing it and there wasn't then a reaction, but as you saw, he did it after the St Johnston game, and bang, 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 fourteen goals, none conceded. That tells you that the players are still taking that on. I think he's still got that sort of off factor. He's come in. He's Stephen Gerrard, former Liverpool captain, Champions League winner, former England captain. So they're still when he speaks. I think the guys in the team listen. Um, if you looked at, let's say, the Neil Lennon situation at Hibs, people were saying that when he was, you know, having a go there, and you know, look at the Kim Barry situation, he said he spoke out uh, publicly about him, criticised him. He said, "I'm only doing this because I've been doing this behind the scenes for two or three months, and we've not been getting a reaction from him." That tells you, well, then perhaps a change of approach is needed. But right now, I think with Gerard, every time he he seems to have one of these outbursts. 
you do see a, generally an, an upturn, so I think it's still a method that's, that's working for him. And he does uh, give the carrot as well as the stick, doesn't he, Scott? Yeah, I, I think he's picked his moments quite well, Johnny. I don't think he's been overly harsh on them, overly critical. But when he has, as I say, he's picked, he's picked certain moments. I don't think last night was one of them. I mean... He was critical of the second half performance, but he was also no. He also praised them for the for the first half performance, and I think he has been really pleased with the you know, with the last few performances. Um, and listen, he's a guy that we know, you know demands a certain standard. He's trying to you know, he's trying to get Rangers to be number one again in Scotland, so he has to get a he has to get a reaction for these players. Has to get a tune out of them every week. Um, so I don't think he's been overly critical. I think he's picked his moments pretty well. And as Andy says, no, I think nine times out of ten he's had a he's had a reaction off him the next game. I think oh. Scott, Scott's right there as well to say that you know if you look back over the last few years, you know one way or another standards have dropped at Rangers. Will it be uh, yeah. playing standards and they have to be they have to be dragged back up. They have to be put back. If the Rangers want to get where they want to get to, then you've not really got time to have sort of. You know, players be moddy coddled and you know, nicey nicey stuff. You have to have a firm approach. Winning's a ruthless business, and Gerard's taking a ruthless approach. How, right how now. many times did we get a press conferences post match with Pedro Cachinha or Matt Warburton mm. when you know that the performances have been poor and they've tried to cover it up and they'll try to paper over the cracks and it just doesn't doesn't wash anymore? It wasn't. You didn't. You would speak to these guys after some games and then you know. Robert would be talking about how we had so much of the percentage of the ball and we had so many shots and target and that that means it's okay for me and you're like well no Mark because what, what? in years gone by Rangers teams found a way to win and that's the that's the long and the short of it when it comes to being a Rangers manager. If memory serves me right, I remember Mark Warburton in the uh, Parkhead press room after the five one defeat actually try to defend the the performance. I mean, because he had to had to. Push forward, turn all down. We had to go for it. I mean, come on. Even if mm. even if deep down you think you've actually played pretty well, you lose five one to Celtic. You just need to come in and you know, hold your hands up. Basically, I mean, uh, too many managers, especially at Rangers, I think, and that's been part of the problem why they've no won no trophies since since coming back up. Is that they've as Andy says they've accepted that lower lowering of of standards accepted that kind of mediocrity and Gerard and it's what the fans wanted he just he just won't uh, won't stand for it and you know now I think certainly as a journalist you know that the majority of the times when you feel as if you've watched a poor Rangers performance Gerard will pretty much mirror that and, and echo that. After the game, you actually you actually saw an interesting thing at the end of the game last night. As the, the, all the, the players are coming off the pitch, he stops Kamara and Ryan Jack on the halfway line, right in front of the dugouts. You can see he's giving them a finger wagging. He's he's pointing at areas of the pitch. We spoke about it after the game. Asked him what was that about, and he, and he said you know, it was a bit of coaching. Those were the only two guys he felt who didn't let their standards drop throughout throughout the game. The rest did, and he thought it was incumbent in those two to be having a go at their teammates. So it's it's not even about look after your own performance. If you're playing well, you need to start coaching the rest of your team on the patch, and that that's what he, that's the extent he's now looking into. He, he wants his guys to be managing themselves. If your teammate aren't playing well, it's up to you to get a best performance for your team, and that was just a wee interesting insight. And I think it also it was pointed that he did it. He could have waited until he got the boys down the tunnel in the dressing room and then had the same conversation, but he didn't full view the main stand because I think he wants them. 
the fans to know that when he's not happy, the team shouldn't be happy with it either. Again, it has to come back down to this. Standards needs to be to be raised, and and I'm doing my best to to make sure that attitudes go along with that. Yeah, he's raising the standard of leadership, isn't he? Right, we're going to go on to the questions now, and we've got one from uh, at Miller forty seven Kevin. We've kind of answered the first part, but the second part I think we should go into, which is, would a strong second-place finish and the Europa run be considered a successful first season for Gerrard, or does he need a cup final, Scott? I think the Europa run would go a long way to making up for no winning a trophy. If you look basically. at the financial results, that tells its own story about that. Yeah, that, that's of course, that's positive behind the scenes, but in terms of on the park, no, which is what Steven Gerrard's bothered about, he would have wanted minimum second place and a trophy. I think the Euro thing would have been the least of his priorities. Now, that obviously changed as they started to get results and certainly when they progressed into the group stage. So it probably would be seen as a decent season. A strong second, ahead of the, well ahead of the rest, in relative contact with Celtic, um, but taking into account a really strong, a uh, uh, relatively strong for where Rangers came from last season, relatively strong European uh, campaign, then I think they would just about take that. Um, but th- the Scottish Cup's still crucial in terms of getting to a final uh, or, or going on to try and, try and win it. Clearly, a day I think you've got to say that so far it's been, it's been reasonably good. I, I think, you know, not a, not a 9 out of 10, but certainly seven, you know, seven, eight, seven and a half out of 10, something like that for the season. Um, but it comes back down to the end of the day, the Rangers support want to be winning. They want to be winning yesterday and he's going to be under pressure to deliver a trophy. Um, I think it comes down to the draw. I mean, if you land Celtic in the semi-finals, if you get past Aberdeen, that is, then, you know, you, know, you lose 1-0 to Celtic at Hamden. Is that, is that necessarily a disgrace to, to not make it to the final? I wouldn't say so I don't, so. I don't think you could underestimate the impact it would have won in the, the Scottish Cup no changes end, the whole end, yeah, ending, ending the Celtic dominance no domestic dominance putting a real spanner in the works in terms of Neil Lennon coming in at Celtic and trying to try to win these two trophies and get the job on a long term basis No getting Rangers lifting silverware again after so long and just the boost that it would give the players and everybody at the club just to see them back uh, lifting trophies again. I don't think you can you can underestimate how important that would be. And I, I think I think Gerard knows that. Um, Quite similar in a way to when Alex McLeish took over from Dick Advocat. Celtic were running over the top of Rangers at the time. Bert Conterman scores that wonder goal in the semi final yep. of the League Cup and all of a sudden Rangers are back, yep. they win the Scottish Cup and then the treble the following season yep. and it all stemmed from that one game, that it League did. Cup semi. Just lifting that trophy I think gave them the belief to go on and do it again and you're right, it's a good comparison because that Martin O'Neill team were seen pretty much as unbeatable at, at that stage for, for Rangers and whatever McLeish did um, and the players that came in know that beating them in that first that first league cup just gave them the belief that you know what no they're no they're no unbeatable um and that that was proved over the next few seasons under under McLeish uh, the Rangers did very well in the, the especially the cup ties against Celtic okay I've got a tough one for you here 
At Kev251073, I'm presuming that's his date of birth and not his uh, social security number. Um, will Morelos <laughs> stay in the summer? This is the big question that Rangers fans want answered. He's given this interview to Colombian Radio where he said, you know, my ambition is to play in the, the Premier League and I'll be looking to move on in the summer. Do you think Rangers can sell him given the paucity of attacking threat that they apparently have when he's not in the team. I know they won 5 0 against Hamilton, but more generally. Depends on the fee, Johnny. I mean, Rangers hold all the aces, they've got him in a long term contract. So it all depends on what bid comes in, what real bid comes in. Uh, and if it's serious money, of course they'll look to. No, they look to sell him. Because if the player wants to go, starts agitating for a move, depending on where it is <clears throat> and how, uh, no, how financially beneficial it's going to be to him, then you don't want to have a problem player in your hands. But it's all down to the fee. There's been a few bids talked about already um, that Rangers were led to believe of just kind of rubbished and, and not back because they think he's worth far more. So it just depends. No, depends how he finishes the season and then who comes in for him in the summer and at least in the summer I know what you're saying he's, he's of course he's going to be difficult to replace but in the summer at least you've got a bit of time uh, What does your gut tell you though Scott? Do you, if, you know if you had to put money on it if I give you 50 quid I know that's never going to happen because I don't have 50 quid but if I did what would you put it on? Leaving or staying? Um, I think he'll probably still be a Rangers player come the start of next season okay. I'm, I'm not convinced he will go to England as things stand um, or certainly not go to the Premier League which is his dream um, because I think a Premier League team will look at his record and go he scored against likes of Kilmarnock Aberdeen Dundee whoever but hasn't got a Celtic goal I I think that's the end of the day that's what they will look at look at maybe a couple of goals in Europa League fair enough but I think they'll go they don't really care about your goal scoring record against Hamilton or, or, or you know St Mirren. They want to see you scoring in the big games against Celtic. And I think until he does that, I think some clubs down south will be reluctant to take that I, gamble. I, but I, there is one manager now in the Premier League with Pearly White <laughs> who knows exactly what Morelos can do. Can you imagine him at Leicester City? I think that's the ultimate meltdown scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think I think they'll be interested. Johnny, I'm not sure about English Premier League, but I think there'll be interest in maybe a couple of bids. Whether it'll be, you know, whether the bids will be as high as Rangers want them to be, I'm not so sure. And I've just got a feeling that Gerard might just convince him to stay for one more season. Um, if if what we are talking about in terms of Rangers, you know, Rangers have built really well this season. There's been real progress. Looks like they'll finish clear second minimum maybe win a trophy. Gerard will see next season as the as the big one. Espe- especially especially with Brendan Rodgers away. That's nothing against Neil Lennon, but with Rodgers away, Gerard will sh- will see it as a huge opportunity next season to genuinely go and challenge for the title and he might just persuade Morelos to stay for one more year. If Morelos was to go, do you think England would be the best fit for him. I mean, we, we all know that he still doesn't really speak the language. He's get his, um, how do you say, discipline issues, if you want to call it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I think, you know, he, he plays in a winning team at the moment. He gets lots of chances, and, and he's done well off of that. But, you know, I think we've seen at times when 
his confidence drops, he can be a wee bit more temperamental with his, his finishing. I think the thing that Gerrard's done really well this season is he's they've encouraged Morelos to believe in himself, and you've you've seen the best of that. I just wonder if maybe going to Spain where they speak the language, the temperaments will be a bit a better fit for him. It'll be England or Spain, I think. It'll be his next destination, surely. His physicality in Spain, he would cause so many problems I, I, there. I, I, the one thing I could say from if he was to go down south, I think likelihood is he would go to a team at the sort of bottom end of the Premier League just because he's he's more of a gamble. Mm. His physicality is what would I think would attract them because if yeah. you're looking and, for an out ball, you can just chuck one up at his throat and he'll, he'll ability, bring it down. His ability plays alone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's a, a big plus point as well. I just wonder that you know he's you know he's been here eighteen months now. He still doesn't really speak the language. I mean. I just wonder if going to Spain would be a more comfortable fit from the, the climate and things like that. Listen, he'll go eventually. I mean, we, we all know that. He wants to go at some point. No, he's he's an ambitious young player. Um, so he will go. Rangers know he'll go. That's why they've got him. In a, that's why they, they, they've kind of got me sign. I think, two, or, th- two yeah, or three yeah. extensions. No, he's contract. So they know he'll go at some point, but... It has they, to be the business model for Rangers. If Rangers exactly. don't sell them, it's it's criminal because exactly. if they don't cash in and because they've not done that for like so that. long, that's exactly what Celtic yeah. have been doing for the last you know five ten years. It is bringing guys in cheap, selling them on, and yeah. reinvesting it. And Rangers, that's one of the reasons of, of many reasons why there's been able this financial gap to open up is because Rangers haven't been able to reinvest the money they've spent. It, as I say, it'll go eventually, but if a bid of more than ten million doesn't come in in the summer. You might see him. I think you'll see him for another, another year. I think Rangers fans would be pretty unhappy if an eleven million pound bid was accepted. Personally, um, but I know that you've got a bad habit of underestimating his value. You have been <laughs> slaughtered on Twitter quite rightly. So, guys, he thinks he's only worth ten million. Tell him what you think on Twitter at Scott McDermott Eight. Typical MSM. Right. Okay. We've got another question from at Tagsbo, and he says James Tavernier has improved his defensive work tenfold. His goals and assist tally are as good as any winger, yet he never seems to get the credit he deserves from the same MSM, well he says press, but I, I like the MSM, that think nothing of stating Tierney is worth £25 million. Why is that? I kind of understand why fans get annoyed about this stuff, because they're always talking about equivalency. Yep. And I think it's fair to say that Kieran Tierney is really, really, really highly rated, and perhaps James Tavernier is not held in the same regard. But if you look at the statistics, Scott... Tavernier's probably given more to Rangers than Tierney has to Celtic over this last couple of years. Is that fair, or am I completely no, getting it wrong? It's probably fair. I mean, I think there's an age difference, is there not? I mean, how many years younger oh, is, right, yeah. is Tierney than, than uh, Tav? So, it's Tavernier's um, uh, You notice Scott started calling him Tav. So, <laughs> so, I don't, so I don't need to say Tavernier. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's that. Listen, I think it's pretty simple. Kieran Tierney is a better, to me, is a far better defender than, mm. than James Taverney. so... But, but Taverni uh, is far better going forward. I mean, to me, it's that simple. I think you also, you also look at the times when they've actually come head to head, and generally speaking, um, I think back to the five 0 game last year where you know Tierney was running was running past Tavernier yeah. for fun and, that and day, and, and, and uh-huh. and you know, I, I, you have seen games where Tavernier's got forward, Candias got forward, and given. Uh, any trouble. I remember the 0-0 game last year at Parkhead where I think the two of them had a, a really good afternoon but generally speaking never there's been a head-to-head generally it's Tierney that's, that's come on, on top You could argue though ta- that's partially tactical <coughs> because R- Rogers often overloads that left side mm-hmm. so that the, they are being forced to defend as opposed to attack and obviously Celtic have better players 
Do you think James Tavernier is another one that other clubs might be looking at, Scott? How do you say it? Tavernier? Tavernier. Tavernier. He's been here for... I can't get used I'll just stick to Tav As <laughs> 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 in have a beer Tavernier 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 right, I need He's no French That's the yeah, yeah. That's the That's the thing You need to get drummed <laughs> in He's English He's for Yorkshire I need to practice that I'm just glad He's not calling Hammies <laughs> Tavernier Tavernier <laughs> 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 Is it Bradford He's from ah, He's you from can't the North Talking about Bradford Ta- Calling yourself Tavernier Tavernier No listen He's done brilliant for Rangers, he's the captain. Who are we talking about? So, <laughs> ta- Tavernier, obviously. Uh, and he's a, listen, he's a Rangers captain. He's had a terrific season in terms of numbers, goals and assists, albeit oh, a, a lot of penalties. Um, but if Rangers, I mean, we're talking about Morelos and you're saying about Tierney worth 25 million. If somebody came in with a, no, oh, kind of 8 million bid for. for Tavernier, then <laughs> he's doing a good job, isn't he? It's like then, you were assists. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Rangers would Rangers would probably want more, no, because of the because of the return. So, but I think the age, <clears throat> I think the age things got a big. That's the reason. Part to play in it. It's funny that uh, at Sunshine Kid Ten is saying to Tags's uh, question. The two of them <laughs> on that pod I can't even that. pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> so I've got to, I've had Tavernier down pat for ages. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, it's assists that I can't say properly. <laughs> Assists. Um, right. Next question. Um, this is from at Jamie Curry eighty nine. After Jack and Kamara's promising partnership in midfield, how does Ross McCrory get in? Well, we've discussed it. He gets in for certain games. Uh, Stephen Gerrard made a point after the Kilmarnock away game recently. He's actually quoted as saying, we have realised now that McCrory is suited to, to certain games. And I think that was I think that was key. He knows that, especially in certain away games, he needs his, his height, his physicality, physicality, his tackling ability. We've spoke, spoken about it. Um, so that's how Ross McCrory will get back. He's still young. He's still learning the game. I think he's still got a lot to learn, particularly on the ball, uh, if he's going to play in that, play in that sitting midfield role. But it's horses for courses. Stephen Gerrard will pick teams to win certain games, and there's no doubt Ross McCrory will play between now and the end of the season, despite uh, Kamara's uh, impressive start. I actually remember speaking to Scott a couple of weeks about this and I, th- I said after the Kelly game that they lost in, in January, that's it, McCrory's undroppable because you, you saw in that game uh, what exactly what Rangers were missing and he comes back in for Livingston game and it, it was him and Kandace that just set the press with their, just their yeah. energy and their, their desire to get win the ball back but then you go to the St Johnson game a couple of weeks ago, home and home against St Johnson, isn't it? We've had another question about that um, with regards to what uh, Kamara brings, and is it not because Kamara takes the ball and moves it fast? McCrory yeah. takes the ball and passes it to someone else. Yeah. So there's that level of uh, there's an extra. Kamara's also got a great ability to pass forward, which mm. which Rangers need to do, and I know that sounds like a simple thing, but it's something that Gerard will appreciate because he was brilliant at it. Uh, as well and that that's what Kamara's brought to him I think On the same theme Andy at Rangers Banter 17 says who do you think is our best midfield three? Well depends who's the opposition I mean that's the, that's effectively yeah. what it comes down to So if you're playing Celtic tomorrow who do you play? Arfield Jack and McCrory and then you're looking perhaps when the game opens up last 20 minutes 
throw in Kamara and see if he can he can create something. But I think in games where Rangers know they're perhaps going to be in the back foot and need... But then again, in saying that, that's a difficulty because so far, and the evidence is you know, you've not got much to work on, but so far... You know, has shown that he's up for the, the physical scrap and it might just well turn out to be, as the season goes on, that Kamara just is a, an upgrade on, on Ross McCrory. But right now, I think with the, the, I'd be tended to go with McCrory just because you've got uh, a greater um, catalogue of um, of evidence to say that he's, he's, he's a type of guy you can rely on these type of games. If you're going to try and outplay teams, whether it be Celtic or anybody else, then Kamara's in. But if it turns into a battle and a scrap... Well, we know Derek McInnes' strategy is second balls. So... So that's why McCrory, you would think... And set pieces. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, do you think McCrory will burn it? I'd play McCrory at, at Pataudry every day of the week yeah. because not only does he give you that um, power, the pace as well on recovery if, some, if you're getting caught in the best, counter. Some of his best games have came at Pataudry as well. For mm. Rangers, even the one at the end of last season uh, when he scored... It was, it was excellent. So Correct me if I'm wrong, did he come on? I mean, I was head down sort of typing the last 15, 20 minutes uh, of last night's game, but did he come on and play right of a back three? Uh, yes, he did, yes. Yeah. He, went, he went to 3-5-2. So, I mean, that was a yeah. sort of departure from Gerrard's previous sort of statement that he's, he's not a centre-half and he can't play there, but I mean, obviously Dundee were getting a bit of joy later in the second half, but he came in there and it seemed to settle, settle the team down a wee bit, um, just having that extra... Ability to sort of cover the, the width of the defence. The other thing I think about Aberdeen is that Aberdeen have caught Rangers out with set pieces again and again this yeah. season. They look incredibly dangerous whenever they get a set piece. So McCrory is a physical unit compared to Kamara, and that. I know, and Kamara is actually physically strong, but in terms of in the air, well, they're a big team. I mean, we consider <clears throat> on Sunday they could have Devlin, McKenna, Considine, Cosgrove, Ferguson, all. Really good in the air at set pieces, and Rangers are going to need to, are going to, need to combat that. Uh, and no, for all, for all that Kamara gives you, he's not the type that's going to win, uh, no, win saving headers at the, at the back post when when uh, Sam Cosgrove's breathing down his down his neck. Do we think the Aberdeen game is one for the four two three one, or do you think he'll change it up? Um, I think I think it's four two three one. I think as Andy said earlier, you need to keep allowing Arfield mm. that license to to roam because he can. He's shown in the last couple of weeks that he can hurt people uh, when he's got that bit more bit more freedom and he's no worried about his position, no worried about what's in it, what's in behind him. It, it does work back in that position, but it does. just having that license to take up alongside Morelos at times even get ahead of Morelos when, yep. when Morelos is sort of dropping in. Um, and, and the way that that can then disturb and disrupt the defence you're playing against, I think that, that that's a, a key factor of why I Rangers have been playing so also, well the last couple of weeks. I also think Morelos likes it. I mean, but we've all said quite rightly that Morelos is you know, so adept now at playing that lone Doesn't like having a straight partner. No, it, it doesn't like having a partner, but I, I think he quite likes somebody when he's got his back to goal. No, to lay a ball into, he likes runners. Somebody to take, drag guys away from yeah, to open that def- space so that def- when he can turn and get a strike away. I think, I think at times with a 4-3-3, there has been games this season where Morelos has been a wee bit isolated. Mm. And when, it ha- when it's been like an Arfield and a Jack or Arfield and whoever it is, playing in that three, where it's almost <sighs> like a kind of... They've almost been playing like an old-fashioned inside right, inside left. They've not quite get close enough to... To Morelos to to have an impact and create create chances. I think Arfield in that role can do that. He's quite clever 
you know, Andy sees wee balls in the corner and one twos and stuff. I think Morelos actually quite quite likes it as well. We've got loads of questions this week, so we're sorry if we didn't ask uh, answer uh, some of them. But um, we're going to end with this one from at Mister M. With the club announcing financial results this week, and the other side of the old the old firm doing it fairly recently, also. Whilst there's still a gap, it's not as significant as recent years. Do you think Rangers are now nearing towards normal turnover level and with sellable assets in the squad? So I suppose the question is, are Rangers becoming Rangers again? Do we get a sense of that? Certainly on the right road. Uh, in terms of turnover and all that, no, they are getting back on track quite clearly as these results have shown. Um, in terms of the gap, that's difficult because... When you think of the money that, that Celtic have, have raked in uh, in player sales and Champions League money in the last few years, I think there's going to be a fairly big gap uh, for a couple of years yet. I mean, only a couple of days ago, Celtic have got another £6 million in for for their manager. So that's more money into the, into the kitty when they decide to go and, or if they decide to go and go and spend some serious money but the only way and Andy touched on it earlier to me the only way Rangers can bridge that financial gap is by selling uh, big big assets no by going and getting like Celtic have done a a Wanyama for 700 grand or a Van Dyke for for one and a half million and selling them for for huge profits whether that's going to be Morelos Tavernier no McCrory whoever that has to be the model for Rangers going forward. We've said it before. Uh, short term, fans might not like it at the time, but where Rangers are operating in the in the Scottish League, um, in terms of what they want to try and do in Europe, the, the best way to get money in is by is by rearing talent or finding hidden gems and then selling them for selling them for huge profits. Well, that's the crucial part. Is you know. If you look at Rangers this season, when Morelos came out of the team, they've had the four playing up front and it's not looked suited because Defoe's such a different type of player. If and when Morelos goes, the crucial thing is that they've lined up and identified yeah. somebody who can come in and who suits the way they play. And they should have. Mm-hmm. If, no, with all due respect to Mark Allen and the Andy Schoolding and the, the recruitment team that's in place, no, they've had long enough... Now, they, they should have a list, as long as your arm, of potential Morelos replacements. Mm. I mean, that's... With the director of football model you know, that Rangers have adopted, that's the way we're led to believe it works. So, as much as it might seem you're talking about in the summer, you know, will Morelos go? Do they have time to get a guy in? How difficult is it going to be? Because you can't replace Morelos. That's the thing, Scott. I mean, it's, it's a complete anomaly being able to pick up a player of that quality for a million pounds. It's not... Well... They'll always be gems, but they're just hard. They're just hard. They're hard to. Everyone's looking for that. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but the fact that they found Morelos shows it can be done. No, there are there are guys. There's just not many of them about. There are guys out there. Um, To me, Van Dyke, the way going about it, but he is the classic example for me. I mean, how how no one picked him up at Groningen, no, for that money at that age. Is, is beyond belief now when you look at what he's doing at, at Liverpool. No. It's the best, probably the best defender best in the world. Just, not, just in the finance issue you're talking about there, I mean, when do Rangers get back to being Rangers or a point where they can compete with Celtic? Just look at, it's not perhaps the profit figures you should be looking at, it's the it's the turnover, just the amount of money that 
Rangers are bringing in compared to what Celtic. I mean, right now Celtic are a money-making machine. We can all, you know, plenty of people laughed about disco lights or, or the fact they're building hotels and things like that rather than buying centre-halves. But that's all down to the fact that they want to get a, a business model that keeps generating cash as well as the football model. And Rangers, because of the way the club has been run over the last few years, is having to rebuild all that sort of off-field stuff and, you know, still see how it's going to pan out with the likes of Mike Ashley but what Rangers really need to do if they want to compete regularly with Celtic and, and seriously with Celtic is get an infrastructure on and off the pitch that allows them to maximise the most of what they've got and there's still a bit of work to be done with that. Okay well we're going to finish up with a wee discussion on the Rangers fan group the Union Bears they are located at the Broomloan front uh, in the sort of bottom left hand corner I think it's Broomloan front one and they've released a statement. Uh, they're quite unhappy with the club. They stated they um, staged a, a sort of demonstration, uh, a protest in the game against Dundee. And uh, it seems to me that there's going to be more coming. Um, they say, despite positive discussions earlier this season, which included supporter surveys and feasibility studies, we find ourselves in the same situation as years past. We learned yesterday afternoon that Rangers have rejected both a sta- safe standing proposal and a proposed move for the group to BF3 which would presumably make them more front and centre in that stand and allow them to expand. Like alongside, or close, certainly closer to is it the, the Blue Order, there's the other fan group that... Yes. So I think, you could, in fact, last night it was quite eerie in the place. They were the only ones you could really hear for at times. It was it was a strange sort of atmosphere. Well, well, that's what I was going to say. Um, anyone that goes to Ibrox will, will know that these guys are absolutely irreplaceable in yeah. terms of the atmosphere they create. Yeah. Um, why do you think the club are not seeming to be that keen to, to want, negotiate I wonder if it comes down to money because I remember um, when I, I used to work in uh, Paisley and used to deal with St Murn quite a lot and remember when the whole topic of um, but you're glad to be out uh, of that uh, <laughs> still live there the missus from there I'll tell you you said so <laughs> <laughs> and the whole topic of um, Safe standing was brought up, and I remember speaking to some of the guys at St Mirren about you know because they just obviously built a new stadium. Was that something? And they were they were keen not to even um, raise that discussion because just the cost. You built a, a bespoke all-seater stadium to then have to rip up all the infrastructure that goes with that to put in a safe standing. Um, they just felt it was a bit costly, and I just wonder. If, uh, I, I can't. I'm not spoken to him in the club about this, but I wonder if that's the issue. Is that you know the you look at the the Union Bears. They're all standing anyway, so do they feel that they have to they have to put out that money? I, 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 I can't say I'm speaking with any sort of great insight in this. I, I just think that's that a fair is. point, though. It's going to be cost on that, but what about in terms of the move? You would think that would be something more easier to facilitate. I'm, I'm surprised at that. I mean, Andy's right. The, the safe standing thing will come down to money. Um, but even then, for Rangers as a club just to disregard the notion and uh, kind of brush away the idea seems seems a bit uh, not a bit illogical I mean you would think if they're in, if they've got good dialogue with the union bears they would say listen no financially it's no right for us at the moment but let's keep talking about it let's keep investigating it no and maybe in a year's time we'll revisit it you'd have thought that would have been the best way to, to deal with that aspect of it in terms of moving them I don't really see the, the issue. I mean, we spoke uh, kind of off air earlier and you, you wonder the kind of current mood just now about sectarian singing and chanting and all that. You just wonder, you know, our Rangers as, as a club, they may be a wee bit reluctant to let it, let that element of the support grow. But I don't think, to my knowledge, any of the Union Bears 
I don't really see them as instigators of sectarian singing or, or chanting. People might shoot me down on that, but I don't really think that's what they've been renowned for, or that's what they kind of that that's what their thing is. It's more about creating an atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, within the ground at, at home and away, whether it's with banners or or songs or whatever. So I'm slightly surprised um, at that statement because it does seem like the club. I've almost kind of disregarded these, these discussions. And one, and one other thing to be considered is the fact that, you know, in years gone by, the Brimland would have been handed over to the Celtic support, so yep. would the club have been keen to put in, spend money to put in a safe standing uh, section that would then have to be handed over to the Celtic support? But obviously that's not an issue this season. I wonder, is it, I mean, I think Dave King spoke at the AGM saying that that decision won't be reversed, but... I still wouldn't be surprised if, he, if in years gone by things were to you know, return to a, perhaps a more normalised sort of relationship between the, the two clubs if that was something that would be addressed or reversed because it, undoubtedly I think it has affected the atmosphere in the two games uh, we've had so far with the, the fans and I think it does take something away from the spectacle as much as the both sets of home fans would probably prefer not having that huge th- chunk of away support. Rangers will have reasons for rejecting both of the of course. proposals. Of course they will, and it'd be interesting to know what they were. I just don't, I just don't understand why they would want to kind of almost end communication over it. You would think, you no, know, even if they want to reject reject them now, they would want to continue that that dialogue and maybe look at it in the future. Does it speak to maybe a larger issue with ultra fan culture that we're seeing? You know, burgeoning in the Possibly. UK. Uh, it's been in Europe for a long time, and it's maybe clubs themselves are not quite sure the best way to manage and deal with these kind of ultra culture uh, individuals because yep. there's negative connotations and positive connotations. But my experience of the Union Bears is that they're largely positive. You yep. know, when you go to Ibrox, they're providing a lot of the colour and the noise and the songs. But you've seen what happens when you, like, say, with the, the Green Brigade, when you allow these guys to have. Exactly, a wee bit much too free rein. Yeah. Um, they can step out of line at times and get the club into trouble and, and do and say things and put banners up that the club aren't happy with. So the club will understandably want to keep a tight rein and that sort of thing. But you know, I mean, there does seem to be a growing clamour for it because there are still even with the Union Bears uh, doing their best to make that feel high. But there are still games where it's very quiet and um, and Gerard spoken about you know. You need to give the fans something to to get the them fired up, but there is an undoubtedly a situation when the fans are up for it. It bleeds onto the team, so anything you can do that improves the atmosphere surely helps the team as well. Okay, guys, that's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. Thanks to our guest Andy Newport from the Press Association. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. You can tweet me at Johnny R McFarlane. You can tweet Scott at Scott McDermott. Hey, and Andy, you're on Twitter as well, aren't you? Yes. What's your Twitter oh, handle? Oh, don't come at me. That's come on. the last thing I need. Uh, Andy Newport, uh, PA. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes and Acast to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.
Let your body 